the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to God's way of salvation, there is what they call an ordo salutis, or an order of salvation. First things first. And that's what we're exploring today as we return once again to the life of Gideon. Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stand, next. It's a matter of first things first. That is what we're seeing here in Judges chapter 6, verses 24 through 32. Repentance before restoration. You see, you can't have that restoration unless there's repentance first. And that is what rings loud and clear in the passage before us. Won't you join us? As we begin, we do so with a look at peace with God leads to his purpose. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's edition of Way of Grace. We looked at the precarious way in which Gideon was called by God, and we might easily say that Gideon is now clear on his assignment, and he's walking in his calling. And our account is actually the beginning of a journey which can describe what he was called by the angel in verse 12, the Lord is with you, he said. The Lord is with you, Gideon. And then he described him as a mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor. Now, we looked at the significance of that proclamation, that prophecy, that, that exclamation that came from God on the part of Gideon. Gideon did not own that. He did not know that. He did not walk in that. The idea of being a mighty man of valor is not hard to define. It's doing the right thing when no one else will. Lexically, the idea of being a man or a woman or a person of valor is an individual with great courage in the face of danger. Great courage in the face of danger, which means most people are not. Most people are conditioned and committed to approval. Most people are conditioned and committed to the approval of men. That's our societies are conditioned today. And this is why the idea of valor is a very uncommon thing. You don't meet human beings who rise up on any given day and saying, Lord, it doesn't matter what people think. The only thing that matters is what you think. And that's because if you are a man or woman of valor, you are going to be going against the tide. You are going to be functioning against the grade. You're going to be swimming upstream. You're going to be viewing things uh, in the inverse in which the common masses will commonly understand society to work. 
So when God is calling Gideon to be a mighty man of valor, God is calling Gideon into an attribute that can be clearly understood as being ascribed to one man, the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know if you remember, but that's exactly what the angel said to him. Gideon, have not I called you and will not I be with you, thou mighty men of valor, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Well, that's a mighty commissioning, isn't it? For a brother that was hiding in a wine press just to feed his family. You often can see in these kind of historical narratives that God sees us one way and we see ourselves another way. And and it's really hard to reconcile the way God sees us over against the way we see ourselves. What's needed in that kind of paradoxical reality is the true and real presence of God in our life. If God tells you you can be something and do something that you don't believe you can, you need to make sure that God is with you if you should attempt to do it. And this is why Gideon really did go to work on making sure he wasn't just having a dream as a consequence of a bad burrito. (laughs) He wanted to make sure that what he heard was from the Lord. That's a good idea at all times. But also what we stated before was not only that here Christ is calling Gideon a man of valor, and you and I know that the way God sees you and me is more real than the way we see ourselves. Faith will grant you that understanding. Faith will help you to realize that you could never ever see yourselves the way that God sees you until you believe what God says about you. And so the the progression that we will join Gideon in as he moves into acts of obedience that constitutes that valor will be for our education. What you and I are going to learn today is what are the processes? What are the steps? What are the measures that a believer must take to come up out of what he is in himself, what she is in herself, to be what they are in Christ and thus express it in a world by which God will then see, a man will then see the glory of God in that believer. That's the process that we're working through. And our title gives us a hint at it. The title is Repentance Before What? Restoration. That is the rhythm of redemption we talked about. God sets us in a state of righteousness in Christ. Then we mess up. And then we have to repent. And then God what? Restores. That's the cycle of the believer. That's how you grow. We're learning that, not learning that as we learned yesterday. Humility before what? honor. And Gideon is being called to be a great type of our Lord Jesus Christ here. The motif, don't want you to forget it as we drill down into our text. The way God works in saving people is he works through one person to save many people. God doesn't work like the world. He doesn't need polls. God doesn't need majorities. God doesn't need masses. God can save by one or God can save by many or God can save by none. But he does choose to save at least by one. And so you see all through your Bible, the way that God recovers nations is not by nations waking up and collaborating and then calling on God and entering into a uh, a bilateral uh, communion to see whether or not this is the way to go. God almost always raises up a prophet to tell them that they're wrong and then a savior to deliver them up out of their wrongness. 
And that's true for you and me too. This here is a real clear indicative of our salvation. You and I were walking in rebellion, disobedience against God, and it was the gospel that brought you and introduced you to one man who was more valiant than any man. And by that man, he brought you up out of your social rebellion against him. Did he not? So what's in front of us is, again, a model of repentance before restoration. And our eyes are to be deeply and richly committed to the process through which Gideon is going. And what I said to you last time was that Gideon, therefore being called by God, being drawn by God, being introduced to God, is now going to enter into a process of what we stated last time was the doctrine of separation. I shared with you that the metaphor of Gideon pounding out and threshing out the wheat was an act of separation, separating the chaff from the wheat, separating that which is true from that which is false, separating that which is a figment of human imagination from the revealed will of God, separating the wicked from the righteous. The nature of the gospel is separation, is it not? God has a people that he has chosen in Christ. And when he calls you to buy the gospel, watch this, you are now entering into a process of separation. God separates you from your sin by the death of Christ. God separates you from the tyranny of Satan by the power of the gospel. Then God begins to separate you from the foolishness of your own thinking. By that same power of the gospel, and then God begins to separate you from the patterns of the world that you were trapped by in your false and former identity. Am I making some sense? So when we talk about election, when we talk about God calling you, we're talking about God separating you from the world. This is the thing about the gospel that becomes a challenge for you down the line. After you kind of get settled into your walk, you come to discover when God's calling you to himself, you're losing a whole lot of people. Hasn't that always been the case, child of God? Burn some calories. The reality is, is that God is separating you. Now, what God is doing with Gideon now is will, it will be a very major kind of separation that many of us who were born again and saved in our youth know something about. And this separation is going to help us understand how God prepares us and grants us the capacity to engage our assignments. Before us is point number one, peace with God leads to his purpose in our life. Does that make some sense? Peace with God leads to his purpose in our life. And we can see this over in verse 24. This will be a kind of starting point for the work that Gideon is called to. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Now, we all know that term. If you've been in church long enough, you know all the Jehovah's. You know all the names of God, right? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, etc., etc. Jehovah Sitkinu. Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is our what? Right. And that idea of peace means total peace. Not just peace in the sense of your mind being settled. That is true. He gives us a peace that passes understanding and it keeps our hearts and minds in Christ. But that's because we comprehend that peace as God's commitment to us in the totality of our life. See, shalom means that God has committed himself to taking care of us lock, stock, and barrel. Your peace comes with the reality that God not only owns you now, but he has committed himself to provide for you. 
And when you got a God who is able to cause you to abound in every way, then you have peace with God. A beautiful thing about the situation with Gideon, if we would keep our uh, our bearings about us, Gideon raised the question, didn't he? If the Lord be with us, then. And Christ responded, the angel of the Lord, he says, the Lord is with you. Therefore, go and do the work that I'm talking about. And what you're looking at in verse 24 is a man who has come into a resolve that God was telling the truth. So you see, you and I have to come to believe God. Is that right? Right. We have to come to trust God, lean on God. And when God talks to us, we, we can actually acquiesce to the reality that sometimes our struggles or our personality can be such that we can debate with God. We can wrestle with God. Certainly Gideon did a bit of that. He'll do a little bit more. But there was something in the engagement between him and Christ. And you guys remember what it was. Gideon's sacrifice was accepted. Do you remember that? The sacrifice was accepted. That gave Gideon an insight into who it was. He knew that this was Hashim. He knew that this was the Lord Jesus. He knew that this was the captain of his salvation. And he knew that for him to see the Lord and not die means that the Lord was with him. Gideon is now actually operating out of what we might call a revival of his soul in the area of faith and worship. Because what does he do? He worships God. And he worships God because there is a peace now between Gideon and God that does something. Here is what real peace in your heart will do when you have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Real peace in your heart will give you an allegiance to God that allows you to separate yourself from everything in the world that is not like God. I want to say it again so that it comes home. When you and I have real peace with the one true and living God, it gives you a level of allegiance against the world. So it does not matter what they say or think or do. You are one with the God who has made peace for you and has made peace with you and is making peace in you. You cannot live in a God-hating world unless you have an allegiance to the God who has loved you and redeemed you for himself. Am I making some sense? I want you to get it then. Allegiance is the first principle of separation. He that is not with me is against me. So what happens to the life of the believer when you become saved and you come under sound doctrine and sound teaching and you discover all that God did for you? In his allegiance to you, it causes you to reciprocate. If God loved me enough to give his only begotten son before the world began, before I had a being, to secure my eternality and between his thought and time past and my salvation right now, God has kept me all the way. Even in my foolishness and rebellion, he's watched over me like David said, you've gone before me, you you were my rearward all together keeping me, then I can trust that God's on my side. Right? I'm just helping you understand. This is how you have your faith stirred up to be able to live for God in the midst of a world that's not living for God. You cannot separate yourself from these systems unless you believe that God is for you. You cannot say, you know, when I go to work today, I'm not going to cuss like my neighbors cuss. 
Because, you know, we used to cussing with them, you know. It just kind of, it's called group approval. When I go to work today, I'm not going to nod my head in agreement with things I know are foolish and irreverent and do not honor God. I'm not going to do it because I have an allegiance to God because God has made peace with me and he's granted me to make peace with him. And I'm just going, I'm just going to pull my, I'm rolling up my flag and letting it blow in the wind. The banner over me is love. That's called allegiance. It's called allegiance. You cannot separate because separation means that you are vulnerable to suffering. Separation means you're vulnerable to suffering. And we learned this in our apologetics class. It's really beautiful axiomatically, two clauses. You cannot talk about someone you don't know and you won't die for someone you don't love. These are all components of allegiance. Do you understand what I just stated? Right, because in our world, a believer is becoming more and more an endangered species. Because you dare to know what truth is over against the lie. And so I'm here to tell you what Gideon has experienced in verse 24 is a resolve now to openly and publicly worship God. Now, unfortunately, but not unsurprisingly, he has to do it first at home. Now, y'all know what I'm talking about, Christian. You know what I'm talking about. Point number one then lays it out for us, uh, the peace with God leading to its purpose. Two fundamental principles are moving forward. The presence of God prioritizes our what? Right? When God's in your life and, and you know it in a tangible, visceral way, it prioritizes your life. It compels you to change the way you behave. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy, but I am come that you might have what? Right. So when God enters into your life, there is a life dynamic occurring because of the very presence of God. It is qualitatively and quantitatively different than before God was in your life. Does that make sense? Right. So now that life shows up in your choice making. When God's walking with you and then you're walking with God, that life shows up in your choice making. He says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more what? Right there, get off of money, because what that's referring to is merely the fact that when you walk with God, that life increases over time in its manifestation, in its characteristics, in its multifaceted nature. This is what is meant when it says the path of the just is as a shining light. Light and life are often synonyms. It shines more and more unto the perfect day. Some are rebuke a couple of us old folk for a moment. Um, but y'all will get over it. As you get older, you should have an experience of grace that is substantially more rich and more full with God. The believer who has been walking with God for many years should not find as they get older, they find themselves in a punitive state of fellowship with God. You should have grown in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. You should have developed a kind of understanding of who God is in such a way is that there are fixed patterns in your life that keeps you in the will of God. This is what John meant in 1 John chapter 2 when he says, you young men, I'm writing unto you because you have overcome the wicked one because the word of God is in you. That's a whole nother subject. If a young man is going to ever become an old man or a senior man or a veteran uh, believer, man or woman, you got to go deep in God's word. 
But by the time you get to the aged status as a believer, you should be walking in a level of joy and confidence with God because you know him. And I have written to you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. In other words, your days, child of God, should not expire with you being utterly consumed by this material world. You should not be allowing 24 hours in a day, 60 seconds in a minute to be utterly consumed by material interest. You are wasting your time. Life is a relationship with God. Am I making sense? So it would only follow that cumulatively, those of us who are older in Christ, we have such a rich communion with God that we are settled in him. When you meet older people, what you should meet are settled people. Settled people. Young people are the ones that's not settled. Those are rock and roll sinners. We didn't talk about that. But us old people are rock and chair sinners. We done done that, been there, bought the t-shirt, settled down, and we're rocking in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our rock. Okay. And therefore, this idea of, of, of meeting God the way that Gideon does is compelling Gideon now to do things that constitute life. And I'm going there. Go with me to sub point B. It purges the chaff of what? compromise. So that's what Gideon is doing now. He's putting an end to his own equivocation. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse four and five, it's going to speak um, almost optically of what we're about to deal with for the next four, uh, three, three stages of the separation process that Gideon is dealing with. The apostle Paul talks about the weapons of our warfare not being carnal. You believe that, right? They are spiritual. They are intangible. They are Christocentric. They are military apparatus. They are the panoply of God's armory given to every believer because every believer is called in some way or another to fight the Lord's battles. This is where Gideon is going. He's about to fight the Lord's battle. In fact, may I say this too as a parenthetical, if you're waking up every day wondering what you should be doing, you should be fighting some battle for the Lord. There are all kinds of interests in the world for which God is claiming ownership over it. And you and I should be engaged in some battle. Does that make some sense? No child of God should be walking around aimless trying to figure out what to do when this whole world is in disarray and God has laid out his revelation for the good of mankind and he has called you and I to be his mouthpiece to represent him in multiple and varied stages of life, including children in the womb, including babies, including teenagers, including men, including women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are all theaters of conflict and warfare we need to be engaged in. Am I making some sense? Say amen. amen. Right. It's true. It's true. It's true. These are battle lines. These are theaters of war. It's true. And if you could hear the elect in each one of those categories crying out, someone come and help me, then you might find your calling. You might find your calling. We are to be engaged in all of that. All right, so I'm, I'm going to break away from that because the whole idea of family is to help you understand these different categories of important representations of God's will in our life. When you get married and you have children and you go through the process of raising them up, you're supposed to learn what the battle of life is all about and be engaged in it. So Gideon, he's a married man, but he's also a son. 
And he's grown up in the family and now he's raising kids. And as I've told you before, when you get married, you're growing up all over again. You're learning things about yourself through those little mirrors that you don't like. But that's how God changes you, right? Because you missed it the first time around because you are slow. Second time around, we get to learn it better, learn it right. If you have grandchildren, you're happy, right? Because by the time we get to grandchildren, we have discovered that we have learned some things. And so here Gideon is about to do something that is reflective of a fundamental when it comes to walking in faith. The text tells us, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Is Gideon about to pull a stronghold down? It's an extremely important stronghold. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.